You're listening to The New Leaf Project, sharing stories from instigators, innovators, planters and starters from across Canada. My name is Elle. And I'm Jared. And you are listening to The New Leaf Project. Another episode for you today, interesting conversation that happened, uh, and uh, we're excited to share this one with you. Yeah, I had uh, some of my buddies um, from from literally opposite ends of the country uh, in my house for uh, a, a week we were spending together. Um, and I'm excited because I had them all around the kitchen table um, and they're talking about something that I think is really, really an exciting uh, development. And that is this, this credentialed position that we're developing in the Free Methodist Church called the Community Development Missionary. And a community development missionary is someone that extends the reach or, or the connection of a local church into an area of their neighborhood that they may not be able to do unless they're able to, uh, to, to have a specific person doing that. And so Todd has some unique gifts and he's been extending the, the ministry and the reach of, of churches, uh, Free Methodist churches in, in Kingston to, uh, to work with people who are struggling with poverty, uh, with addiction, with mental health issues. And, and Todd's bringing that unique gift set into this, into this thing. And I, I just, I'm really excited because I hope uh, other people, other denominations listen to this idea and they think, Hey, that's something we can do because the reality is Canadians have to start thinking like missionaries about this country again. And we have to uh, start something when we see a need around us. I want that to become instinctual for Canadians. And that's why I'm really excited about this conversation. Yeah, you know, I loved this conversation because it talks about partnership. I love the idea of people coming together and instead of reinventing the wheel or struggling on their own to try to um, accomplish something, but to look out on the horizon and see other churches um, and make connections and partnerships that are really impacting a city. And I was really excited to hear it. I'm excited to see where this community developed missionary uh, idea will, will flourish in Kingston. It was It was great. So... Now, we're going to listen to it. We get to share it with you. This is Greg, Al, and Todd chatting with Jared here on The New Leaf Project. So I'm here with uh, three of my friends, uh, Todd Stelmack from Kingston, Greg Elford from Mission, BC, and Al Doziger from Kingston, Ontario as well. So welcome to the show, gents. Good to be here. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> Pretty stoked. <laughs> uh, so why don't we start with you, Todd? Todd, I want you to introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're from. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, from Kingston, Ontario. Uh, and uh, shoot, what, uh, where do I begin? Uh, Prior to prior to what I am now, I was I was an occupational therapist working on an what's called an ACT team, an assertive community treatment team, uh, which is a um, works with uh, people with severe mental illness, helps them to stay in the community uh, and out of the hospital and out of institutions and jails and things like that, and uh, yeah, teaches life skills that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I had a hankering for ministry at the same time. Uh, I was an elder at uh, a church in Kingston called Next Church mm-hmm. and uh, was uh, looking for a way to... Well, I just noticed that a lot of the clients that I had weren't ending up in church. Um, had a predisposition to be very open to the good news of Jesus Christ. And uh, not a lot of folk were like able to really get that stuff across. There are a lot of... Um, I guess maybe uh, political correctness type boundaries that that keep Christians in that field from really sharing the good news mm-hmm. as openly as they possibly could. And I was thinking about, well, what if I what if I took a step in there? Uh, but in some ways, that's not inappropriate that they're that they need to. There are power there are power issues that you know that I think that uh, that I, that uh, that can manipulate folk for sure. Mm-hmm. And, uh, there's gotta be there. So I was, but there's gotta be a way to do both and, uh, uh, to be respectful, to not, uh, control people with, uh, with religiosity and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, these, these marginalized people, but, uh, yeah. So, um, a basic, a basic interest in that stuff and, and would just start wondering like, what, what if there was like a, a church for homeless people or there's a, you know, a, a way that, that people with mental illness could, uh, could feel a, a, a part of things and right. Part of the community. Thing. Yeah. So Greg, let's, uh, let's start with your story too. You, you do ministry in mission BC. So yeah, tell us a I'm, bit more about that. I'm part of a church called new Heights church and it is uh, about 20 years old. It was planted originally with uh, DNA to consider how we can interface with people who have, for whatever reason, become disillusioned with the church. A couple of things that have been consistent through the 20 years, as much as the pendulum has swung and we've tried different things, are um, we seem to always have a presence with people like Todd was just describing, people on our on our downtown street that are struggling, mental health and addiction and and not never feeling like uh, we knew quite how to address it. Um, but then this dichotomy of, of people who uh, who are searching for a way to connect with the church themselves, um, kind of one part of our community, and then uh, a street-level version of that and trying to figure out how they fit together. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um, I think one of the things that we've been committed to do is, is to not... Uh, hurt the credibility that we've gained with people on the street by inviting folks to just come in and practice on them. And so we've been committed to sort of creating some boundaries with the people we love and have become friends with. Uh, And so we've been protective of of how uh, the message or how uh, God's love for them is communicated to them. Mm Mm-hmm. And maybe we've we've overemphasized protecting them from the abuse of that, from well-meaning folks, and are, are kind of grasping at straws for how to give them uh, a touch base for that. Okay. So, yeah, I'm interested in in uh, the conversation with these guys and how they are navigating it. Because it is that there is that tension, right? Of <clears throat> of uh, really. We, we are in possession of a life-changing story. And we'll get into even yeah. some examples of that in your own community. But how do, we, 
how do we steward that story properly without turning everything that we do into a power play or a, you know, if you, if you're hungry, yeah. <laughs> you have to sit through this church service first before we'll ever feed you because that's, that's antichrist as well. So, yeah. So Al, why don't you tell us a bit about uh, your story, um, where you come from and, uh, and, and where you're at at this point. I'm at Russell uh, Free Methodist Church in Kingston, Ontario, kind of in city central, a little north of the, of the downtown area. I've been there for 10 years, a church plant, um, and a very, very undeveloped church plant in a sense of the resources we needed. Mm-hmm. So recognizing that we had high needs, low function, uh, not a great baseline to, uh, to remain compassionate at. And so the kind of ability to stay very compassionate and caring and concerned, uh, it's kind of taken its toll over the years. So, so you're you're in a you're doing ministry in a in a, a poor neighborhood in in Kingston. Yeah, we we have a very poorly planned city, and so all of the kind of um, social systems and and agencies have all kind of like rolled down the hill towards where we are located. And so, yeah, within a golf ball throw, you can throw, you can find any sort of agency that's uh, either trying to contain the problems or trying to minister to the problems. Um, a lot of containment happens in our in our kind of city. Uh, it's very very white, uh, very rich, and very conservative. Mm-hmm. And so, it's it's hard to watch poverty in our city. It's it's glaring. Mm. Um, and so, they just warehouse it all. And uh, so, we're kind of located right in the right in the belly of it. Mm-hmm. Um, very angry neighborhood, very um, isolated relationally, and uh, a lot of a lot of kind of generational poverty goes on in our neighborhood. So a lot of um, not not a lot of options for change. If you were like a someone studying the social um, condition of our neighborhood, mm-hmm. so longing for um, some real um, on the ground kind of help. Um, been a friend with Todd for a while, and his his kind of condition and our kind of need kind of felt like a perfect marriage, and uh, we both saw it, and it took a while for <laughs> others to see it, and so it's it was kind of um, a nice little journey of process to recognize that we we really do need we did need probably to start um, someone with mental health and addiction kind of capacity to uh, to take care of and to be compassionate to the folks that are actually coming through our doors and that are basically hanging out with us. Right, right. Nice. So what I just want to point out that at the table here, we're all part of the Free Methodist Church in Canada. Um, And it was pretty natural, pretty normal for us to be in a conversation with each other. But there's something kind of interesting happening between three churches here inside of this denomination. And it's, it's, it's kind of starting in and around Al's need for, um, a skilled worker and Todd's desire to, to kind of bridge those worlds of how do I do effective work in a neighborhood, but how do I make the gospel a part of that? And government agencies aren't really, you know, a a useful or even a a possible avenue. And missing a piece of what? Right. Yeah. Right. What's needed. And, and, uh, and Greg is is entering into a new phase, and so there's something at the at the middle of this conversation called the uh, what we're calling anyway in 
in the in the Free Methodist Church, we're calling it uh, a, com- a community development missionary. And, and Todd, you've been uh, given that distinction as the first one in Canada. So can you tell us a little bit about how this story kind of got started and, and where, where this For idea sure. came yeah. from? Uh, so I would say it started because... Uh, the nature of an act team gets me going out into the community, going to people's homes. Uh, so as an OT, you didn't sit in an office and wait no. for people to come. Yeah, in. no, you I was went driving out the community. Yeah. Drive around all the day, time, go to people's homes, go to group homes, go to subsidized housing, meet people on the street, find people that are missing, that kind of stuff. Uh, negotiate with police uh, to, to keep people from getting roughed up and that kind of stuff. Right. So, yeah. So, um, but uh, what I would, find very frequently as I'd end up in Al's neighborhood, uh, a lot, uh, that's where my clients were. And, uh, I saw that it, at the, at the core of what Russell church was trying to do was a lot of what, what I wanted to do. And, you know, half the church was filled with people that, that, uh, I was working with anyway. They were actually getting the folk that I was dreaming about into their church is burning them out. Uh, because they didn't have the kind of training that, that maybe I had. The, the uh, church people. Were the church folk, out. yeah, including including Al even, right? So, uh, and uh, yeah, we just sort of pop in and be able to offer a little glimpse of my expertise and offer some relief, I think, eh? Mm-hmm. And uh, and then we started thinking, well, could we could we make something of this? And we started dreaming and thinking. Uh, what uh, I, I actually think that uh, it was a, one of the one of the core courses we had to take with the denomination made us read a lot of Wesley, uh, and his, his, uh, his story. And, uh, we got, we, we got very inspired by the idea of him ministering, uh, to a bunch of drunken coal miners and Mm -hmm. turning them to, uh, turn them into fine upstanding members of society that transformed England from a, a, a country that was getting destroyed by gin essentially. Right. Uh, we looked around our neighborhood, seeing it getting slowly destroyed by crystal meth, and wondered, "Well, worked back then. Could it work now? Right? Like, right. could we start enlisting? Could we start enlisting free Methodists uh, who maybe have lost the imagination of reaching to that that crowd uh, to to minister to these to these folk and and see a transformation of of a situation that looks impossible? Mm-hmm. And uh, I I. I want to, I, we've seen glimpses of it and I want to see that Jesus is as powerful as he, as he, as everybody says. And right. so we want to try this and we want to, we want to give it a go. And, and, uh, so, well, I guess this is, this is the beginning of it. So can you two talk a little bit more about where the emergence of this idea of a community development missionary? So you were talking about the need Al, but uh, talk about how how this is connected then between uh, next church, the Free Methodist Church up the hill, Russell Church, the Free Methodist Church down the hill, and then several of the other area churches there. How did how is this starting to emerge? This community development missionary plan. Well, I, I think that anything like this, um, because it's so new and seemingly, um, you know, the spirit is at work. Um, anybody that's domesticated the gospel can recognize that there is something that they can't look away from. And so when when you start to hear gospel stories of, you know, the blind seeing and the lame walking, it, it makes it, for someone who has been um, perhaps uh, numbed by the way our, 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 our sort of um, 
church life can become, mm-hmm. then I think, you know, when, when Todd and I talk about, you know, the gospel stories that we hear daily that are, are you know, that we're, we're actually having eyes to see and ears to, to hear about, um, I think it makes it very um, intriguing to those looking in. So, so you our, guys are saying you see the gospel at work right. every day. Like when you show up to work, not, I mean, uh, you know, we're being exaggerating, but yeah. the, the idea that when what you read about in the Bible is something you see. Uh, the, the Holy Spirit yeah. moves in ways that I was longing to see. And, okay. and, and I have a feeling that that's true because the Holy Spirit seems to work on the margins all the time, bring in people that were outside the the realm in inside right, into right. the new kingdom. And, and I get to see it all the time. And it's, it's given me that taste of what, of what could be. And, and yeah. And, and what are you seeing? What's, what's, what's happening as this is starting to emerge? Well, I, I think I've, I've off, I've often wondered why the body seems so threatened by each other's sort of successes and, and shifts and ideas and sort of recognizing that there needs to be no threat in the body. Um, and if there is, you need to do whatever it takes to, to kind of unpack it. And Todd, Todd talks about this idea quite often that, that um, you know, it, it seems like a very losing effort, this <laughs> sort of faith that we follow. And that, you know, out of sort of this, yeah, hopeless reality that, you know, this will never work or mm-hmm. you're never going to get these people sitting at the same table. And why even bother? Um, you sort of do want to pack it in and give up. Um, you know, because if we can't get it right, like if, if the if the kind of people that are brothers and sisters in Christ can't sit at the same tables, then why are you even bother um, trying to sit with those that that are somewhat our enemies in terms of how we think and act and believe? And so I think you know that was that's part of, part of the kind of impetus for for this challenge is that yeah, like if you know if your faith has become domesticated, um, I want to you know let you know that there is a very um, untamed. Uh, spirit out there that does whatever she feels like it and when she feels like it and so I think I, I'm with Todd on this I, I think I'd want to I want to wake up knowing that that um, you know that not only lives are changing but they are going to change and that's a very different reality when when you start to get um, complacent in in terms of um, church life whatever that looks like to you right so so what's happening is the churches in Kingston at least the free Methodist ones at this point are are getting together slowly, but they're getting together to, to connect with what, what you're doing there in the neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, well, there's an openness to listen for sure. Yeah. We have an abundance of mission so much so that we don't have enough ministers. A lot of these churches have lost track of what mission is and are excited to see, Oh, here's an opportunity. They send folk down to see what we do. Mm -hmm. They get excited because they get to feel the spirit guiding them and or or working through them for the first time in a while mm-hmm. and and they they keep coming and they keep wanting to be a part of what we're doing right. and we also have part of the story that's happening on the other coast here too mm-hmm. um so how did you get involved in this story greg because uh there's probably not that natural linkage between yeah. where you live and where they are so what's what's intriguing to you about this idea of the community development missionary well, I feel like we're a few years behind what you guys are doing, and the partnership that you have is something that I would crave to have uh, a sort of a, a, a partner that has some skill in the area Todd's describing. But I think also um, we 
we have young people in our in our mix and when they are, are looking at the future of the church and trying to imagine what it could look like we thought how great to be able to send them to an experience where their um, paradigm would be shifted where they could see something real see something that would capture their imagination something that's that's uh, substantial enough that they might want to give their life to it and so we saw uh, a young guy who had all the markings of the kind of heart and um, grace in his life to be a person who could uh, move in that move in a direction of being more and more involved in a project like this. And so, uh, in conversation with these guys, we said, "Well, why don't we just send him? Let him be with you and and experience it instead of just talking about it." And so it was a week, a week or eight or eight or nine days where uh, a young man, uh, kind of 19, from Mission went to Kingston and spent some time with Alan Todd and came back not, not convinced of, uh, of doing everything the way Todd and Al do it, but, uh, <laughs> but definitely challenged that there are other ways of doing things than he's ever experienced. And so I think the experiment, and, and we can talk in a moment about um, us reciprocating that this summer, but... Uh, I think the experiment, uh, just just to have a young guy like that widen his horizons is something that many of us look back on as having experiences in our early, like late teens or early 20s right. that were really informing um, or life-changing. Mm-hmm. And so this, this young guy who did that, he talks often about his experiences and just the other day was, was saying that he dreams about an experience of what he saw in Russell with some of the people we see on our street, you know, and so planting planting um, a possibility in his mind, I think, is a, a worthwhile um, experiment, mm-hmm. and it, it sort of hinges on where he takes that. But I think the more that we can uh, share opportunities for people that are dreaming about the future with one another. Uh, the more we're laying kind of a foundation and a groundwork that eventually is going to grow into something. So, so last summer you sent someone from your community to experience life in Russell. in Kingston, and in the, in the that neighborhood. Um, and and w- Todd, now you have a plan to send somebody from your community who's showing these signs yeah. uh, to mission to to see because because Greg is doing much the same ministry you guys are doing yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's amazing to me, just very quickly though, poverty doesn't seem to be that different depending on where you live. It, no, we, when we when we talk with Greg, we it just oh okay, that sounds like home, you mm-hmm, know. Mm-hmm. So what's your what's the current plan to to send somebody to to uh, to Greg's place? Who are you sending? Uh, two years ago, a, a young lad that we met in our neighborhood. Um, I, I guess I didn't meet him two years. I met him about four years ago. I think I delivered a sweaty mattress to his house. Um, he was in the midst of of finding his way home in terms of the, uh, you know, what we understand as coming home to Christ and and having his life have a very different understanding. Um, baptized two years ago, and then has really become, uh, you know, our, our shining star for falling in love with Christ. And um, it, it's amazing to watch the the people around him um, recognize that there's something really going on in his life. 
um, you know, people are cutting checks from because they want, you know, to to see this young man minister. Um, they they recognize the gifts, the graces, and they see um, a real enthusiasm that that there's no pretense in. That's just very foreign to them. So I think looking on the outside, looking at this young man's kind of verve. When I say young man, he's his life got paused because of drug addiction at 17, and he's 42. But you know, if I put him in a police lineup, you'd think he was 24. Um, so we want to send him um, out west. Um, and the you know the irony of ironies is that his buddies went out west. 20 years ago, invited him, and he decides not to go. Uh, they go out and find themselves lives a mess because of drug addiction. And now, you know, he just uh, came off methadone, uh, left his last bottle at the cross at Easter, and now recognizes that, um, you know, he had to do that before he was going to be getting on a plane to go to, to Mission BC. So this this hasn't been a carrot that has been dangling in front of him. I, I really think this is kind of like a, a, a real blueprint of his life that, um, you know, someone like Greg has a church very much like ours that Chris can't wait to minister at. Mm. Um, even if ministering means, you know, renovating a building for, for three, three weeks. So I think the short-term adventure for Chris, I'm, you know, it's something I'm really excited for him because I know that it's going to probably really you know, change his life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So tell me a bit more about Chris, Todd. You, you've gotten to know him over, yeah. over the years here too. Yeah. So Al, Al asked me to, 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 to pour into him, to give, give him some time, uh, once a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did Bible study and we talked about ministry and stuff. This guy, um, has some real gifts, uh, is a gift of knowing uh of discerning spirits like knowing what's right and what's wrong and he's got this other gift of evangelism that blows my mind uh and uh so we have a guy that uh was you know before 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 jesus was fully uh, addicted to injection drugs and uh morphine and uh then went on a methadone pro- program after he f- he met with Jesus on the floor of his bathroom, hating himself, trying to kill himself, mm. decides no, okay, I'm going to try methadone. Gets on methadone uh, through, which is a you know sort of a government-run um, harm reduction program. Uh, it is a drug. It is a drug. Yeah, that's, that it, that mimics that mimics uh, morphine and that sort of thing. But it is can be de- can be delivered safely, and so you, de- you don't have to be on the on the hustle all the time to and. Uh, into crime and, and, and maybe destroy yourself with, uh, getting hep C or something like that from injection use. And it's, it's not a particularly successful program. It's not. Most people are on it for the rest of their lives. But here we have this guy that says that was utterly taken by Jesus. Like he believes that Jesus saved him and will continue to save him and will get him free from addiction. And then we'll also get him off the methadone program. So he started doing it. We watched him go from 120 milligrams of morphine, so most of the, uh, not morphine, methadone that they would, they, they would give. And then at the cross and on Easter, he, he puts his last bottle down. It was empty. They poured out. He didn't even take it. He put it on the cross and said, you know, I'm, I'm free because of Jesus and no one else. And, uh, we, we fasted for him, uh, numerous times during that process as a church, as a, as a church. church. Yeah. Fasted yeah. For him. Even his doctor was apparently she was a Christian and she, uh, she fasted for him because she's like, I've never seen this. And she wanted to. And then we did. And, and it was the only difference is Jesus. And, uh, you know, I, 
it's almost naive to believe it, but it happened, you know? And so we think, well, why not have it happen again? And we have other people approaching us. And the idea that these people are given mission, not just like Jesus, but we're given a mission. Like you, we're going to send you, if you, if you get free, Mm -hmm. you, you're good. And you're, you're going to be doing ministry. And, and everybody in the community is like, Chris is free from methadone. And he, and it, and he, and he's dramatically transformed by Jesus. The only, the only argument they have is like, oh, I don't think Jesus would do it for me. That's the only thing that they can say. Cause they, they fully acknowledge that Jesus did it for Chris. Now is just to get their self-esteem up enough to believe that Jesus would Jesus do it for, did them. It for them. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. And so when Chris arrives on, on your front doorstep uh, this summer, Greg, what's the plan? What, what are, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's, that's the nice thing is that. You just took uh, a napkin out of your back pocket. <laughs> yeah. We, we don't have a plan. But, uh, I think, I think that uh, it might be a bit patronizing to have a plan. You know, I think it's, well, yeah. there's a couple of things we want mm, to do, interesting. but we want him to land in the, the rhythms of, uh, the transition we're in right now. So we are, we've, everything's been kind of blown up in our context right now. And we're in the middle of a renovation and a lot of things have question marks. And, and I think, I think to invite him into the chaos of transition and say, what does it look like to land and be okay with not having answers? What does it look like to be okay with just stepping into to spaces where the spirit may say today, this is your role tomorrow, something completely different. Mm. And, and also to, to come without expectations of what he's going to get out of his time and mission, but to come saying, I'm just here to be uh, here for you guys. So I think, I, I hope we're trying to create that kind of a posture for him as he comes is to say, mm. this isn't something where you come with a list of things that, that Greg provides for you, but, more that you come maybe providing something for us that if he's being sent out he's coming with something for us and so i think we're we're uh we're eager to receive him as someone who may have something to give us you know to someone that that has something for us so what i i'm really excited about about this idea is that we're we recognize we have a need in our own movement around community development missionaries now Chris it doesn't have the formal training that you have, except that he's had the real experience. He has experience. life that I don't have, yeah. Um, um, and so I'm very excited because I, I really believe that, that God's actually raising up people to do ministry in our country in a missionary way, in a way that we maybe haven't seen in our own movement uh, in a long time, since maybe the time of Wesley. But, uh, and I think so, raising up, sorry, Jared, to, you know, I think even raising up people to support this, right. which is, is almost as miraculous to me. That, right, that, the, the, uh, the churches. That the, the, the people standing on the very sidelines are recognizing that's happening and they can't look away. And so we've noticed, Todd and I have noticed, that there are people that don't even know this man, they, they have heard about him, heard what's happening, and they're cutting checks, and they're, <clears throat> they're wishing all the best things. And for Greg to say that, you know, the, the openness of his um, plan is just an openness of his plan is very intriguing to me because Chris' life in methadone was a very determined day. The, mm-hmm. day, was, the day was spent in a very controlled environment. And so Todd and I have recognized that since the drop at the cross, it's almost like Chris has uh, exploded, exploded, <laughs> but, 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 you know, very much, uh, you know, 
real, really craving, um, you know, some form of, of uh, direction. Mm. And, so, and so I think the West really looks like his next kind of venture into direction. And if he goes to an open kind of canvas where he really needs to trust, you know, what does the Spirit have for me today? I think that'll be a beautiful learning curve mm-hmm. for someone in his um, development. So. so we've heard from Al about some, some of what he's excited about for the future. Todd, what are you excited about for the future in this? Uh, what I'm excited about for the future is... is uh, Finding more folk like Chris, because I think in our neighborhood that that that's going to keep happening. Mm-hmm. Um, already, a few people have started to join on, but what I'm finding is like people from established churches. They're been a Christian a long time, and I'm finding it's not. Uh, I was I was kind of expecting we get a bunch of 20 year old interns and we pass them back and forth between the churches and stuff. Right. But that's not who's coming. They're they're people over 40 that are like. I wish that are have that same longing I did or like I read it in Acts or I read it in the Gospels and I want to see mm-hmm. that, that that stuff is real and then they come down experience what we're doing and see that it is real and I love this interaction of people like Chris with people like with general free Methodists that that want to come alive and 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 they they leave well they never leave actually they keep coming back and, and keep wanting to do ministry with us so I would love to build I would love to build a community of people from like in our Kingston area uh, that, uh, that, that want to minister in our neighborhood. I would love to train them up, give them the skills that, that both Chris have and that, that I have uh, to, to engage our neighborhood with the gospel, to, to love people that, that, and, and build up that self-esteem to believe that maybe Jesus could do it for them too. And, uh, and then, and then, and then maybe bring in some interns or that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I think, as as we've said, like I I I don't think we'll run out of mission to do, but a, a lot of these churches that we've interacted with don't know what to do next, and they're like, oh, there's a urban thing we can do, send folk down, but then they stick because they're like, this is alive, and 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 then maybe they might have some imagination to do some mission for themselves in in a in a di- very different context, like suburban context, which I I would have difficulty doing, but I I hope people start to. Pay attention, come up, pay attention, yeah. come alive. Like the, this mission is, is huge and our, our church is declining. And, and so we need to, we need more, more, we need to do as much mission as, as we're doing in our neighborhood in, in these, in these other neighborhoods. And I hope that what we do inspires that. Well, friends, uh, this is why I believe in denominations, hmm. uh, still. Because I th- I think there's something that is very powerful when we work together, mm-hmm. and I there's no way that you guys would be connected without uh, a history anyway. Um, I'm excited to see where this story goes, and I want to check in with you guys uh, as we go. Um, and uh, so thanks a lot for for sharing this story and and uh, stay in touch. Now, if people want to just kind of see what you're up to, Todd, how do they how do they uh, connect with you? You can uh, check. You can check out my blog, uh, yeah. Kings, Kingston Urban Mission WordPress dot com. So you know I'm I'm lo fi. I got okay. Oh, that's great. Though. That's uh, great. Yeah, they can check out that. Um, and uh, I would love for them just to to uh, you know if if you have a connection with with Russell Church or that sort of thing, you want to come down, please do. Like we would love to. Sh- we will, we will stop what we're doing, and show you around. That's great. That's really appreciate it. Well, we hope you enjoyed that 
episode and interview. I know that for me, it was, this might sound cheesy, but it was a bit of a deep breath for my soul. I love hearing about people doing things, doing things together. Um, It just was amazing to hear the transformation that was happening in people's lives because of this partnership and this idea. Um, Jared, if people are looking to connect with some of these guys, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, uh, a simple way to connect to Todd and the work that he's doing, and you could just follow along with it on online. He writes at kingstonurbanmission.wordpress.com and he is telling all kinds of stories. I love his last post where he was he was talking about how uh, how people in established churches are making connections. I mean, there are we, we've got amazing stories. I'm going to follow up these, with these guys again because there there are amazing stories coming out of this idea. Also, if you're a, a denominational leader and you want to know how we pulled this off, how do you credential this, you want to learn from us, uh, send me an email. I'm at jared at newleafnetwork.ca. Jared at newleafnetwork.ca. Contact me anytime and I'll send you what we got because I just, I, I, L, I just really believe that Canadians need to think like missionaries again. When we see needs, we need to respond. We need to start something new. I love it. Great episode. Thanks so much for doing that interview. And thanks to the guys for being willing to share their stories. And thanks to you for listening along with us. Have a wonderful day and we will see you soon. Thanks for listening to the New Leaf Podcast. You can find us on the web at newleafnetwork.ca or head on over to our Facebook page, New Leaf Network. We have events, workshops, and conversations happening all the time. We would love if you could join us as we share the stories of planters and starters all across Canada.